This week's Pharmacy Magazine Talking Pharmacy podcast is brought to you by Aronix, Sildenafil 50mg from Dr. Reddy's. Hello everyone, welcome to the Talking Pharmacy podcast, where we look back at what's been happening in pharmacy over the past week or so and work out who's top of the class and who is in the queue in the corridor for detention. My name is Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine, and join me on the pod this week are Rob Darricott, editor of P3 Pharmacy, Arthur Walsh, editor of Pharmacy Network News, Neil Trainis, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist, and Helena Beer, editor of Training Matters. Let's start with Good Week, Bad Week. Just a good week or a bad week, please. So, Rob, let's start with you. What have you got for us? Uh, hi, Richard. Yeah, I've, I'm going to do a story. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's a good week or a bad week because I've got I've got mixed views about it. But coming out this morning, the Competition and Market Authority has fined yet another pharmaceutical firm for overpricing of medicines. This time, um, the CMA has imposed over £100 million in fines after Advens inflated the price of thyroid tablets, specifically liothyronine T3. Um they increased the price of these tablet packs from £20 in 2009 to £248 in 2017, an increase of over 1,100%. And the fines total at over £100 million, um, advance for £40.9 million, together with two private equity partners, HG Capital £8.6 million and Sinven £51.9 million. Uh, we've been having a bit of a, a to and fro on... Um, uh, between us all this morning about this, uh, two or three things, which is why I'm not sure why it's a good good week or a bad week. I mean, it's a good week that, you know, yet another of these egregious examples of price gouging has been, has been caught up. Um, although it has taken quite a long time, the CMA launched its in, initial investigation, by the looks of it, back in October 2016. So this is nearly five years. October 2016, and yet the the price um, concerns run into 2017. So even after this investigation was launched, this was still going on. Um, and of course, the, the thing that, you know, these things take take a while. So it's a good thing that, that been, uh, they've been finally caught up with. Uh, and this is yet another in, in list of things that we've been reporting on over the last couple of years. Uh, the fines are getting bigger. The, the examples seem to be getting worse. Uh, so I suspect there's probably many more in the pipeline. Um, but I think what's particularly uh, awful about this one is that um, this product, T3, uh, liothyronine, was used by a certain uh, group of people with thyroid problems. And as a result of this sort of activity, the actual prescription of, of LT3 on the NHS effectively was 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 removed. And um, anybody who's followed this in any way, um, in any detail, would know that this was a huge, a huge issue for groups like the British Thyroid Association back in uh, 2018, uh, protesting really about the loss of what they saw was a particularly valuable treatment for a certain group of of patients with uh, with thyroid uh, thyroid problems. And so, not only has this been, you know, taking the NHS for a ride and and cost a huge amount of money, and some of that money's now being clawed back. Although the firms are being are being caught, not the people who did it. Um, but uh, if you if you have a product which 
people benefit from. And it's removed from use, principally because the price was so high that compared with other treatments, it was seen as um, unaffordable, effectively, which I think is what's happened back in 2017, 2018. Then they've not just um, taken everybody to the cleaners financially, but they've, they've impacted the, the lives of patients. And I think that, to me, fines just seem to be, OK, you know, we have to pay, we have to write a large check, we move on, uh, away we go. I think it's slightly more than that. So I, I think it's a good week that, that these things are continuing to get found out. But it's, it still leaves a nasty taste in my mouth that there's lots of people out there who could, who have been denied use of a product that they found helpful, um, partly as a result of this action. Yes, Rob, I, I, I couldn't agree more because because here you, you've had a, a group of patients who um, have been caused significant harm by the actions of, of this company through, through the companies through this price hike, effectively removing T3 as a treatment option. And one thing you said, Rob, that I, has always struck me is that the CMA, you know, it's good that the CMA is taking these these matters very seriously, albeit that they they take their time. It, it takes a long time to investigate these things. I've never understood why they don't go after the assets of the the people and the directors involved at the time, rather than the the, the companies as uh, as they're presently structured and the people who are in the senior management now. It just does, doesn't seem right to me. Um, but yeah, that's uh, this is a particularly um, bad example of, of market manipulation that's that's caused a great deal of harm for patients and it's good that the CMA has has come out with the fines and the ruling that it has okay um let's let's move on then Helena what have you got for us yeah thanks Richard um so my bad week um is for the health of middle-aged people in Britain so this is based on the 1970 British cohort study which has followed the lives of 17,000 people born in England Scotland and Wales in a single week in 1970 um since then um the researchers at UCL have surveyed surveyed the participants nine times um, looking at things like health, physical, educational and social development and economic circumstances. Um, for the survey that's just been published, which looked at 8,000 of the participants um, between 46 and 48 years of age, um, the researchers found that more than one in three were suffering from two or more chronic health conditions in middle age. Um, things like back problems, mental ill health, high blood pressure, diabetes, asthma, um, arthritis and high risk drinking as well. Um, those who grew up in um, poorer families were much more likely to have multiple long-term health problems in their late 40s. Um, they were at 43% um, greater risk um, compared to those from the most privileged families. Um, the researchers also pointed out that there's an association between physical and mental health conditions in childhood in the teenage years um, and chronic health problems in middle age with lower birth weight, um, higher body mass index and lower cognitive ability at the age of 10, along with worse emotional and conduct issues at 16, all being linked with increased risk of multiple chronic health problems in middle age. So really concerning data in terms of those multiple chronic health conditions, but also stark health inequalities as well. Um, so looking 
slightly more closely at the data, um, it said 34% of adults had multiple chronic health problems. Um, that ranged from 26% engaged in high-risk drinking through to um, kind of 5% who had diabetes. Um, and that doesn't actually sound like much, but if my maths is right, that's still around 400 people. So a significant um, issue there. And the researchers also looked at the most common combinations of chronic health conditions experienced by adults in middle age. Um, coming out on top was mental ill health combined with high blood pressure at more than 4%. Um, the lead author has said that the health of British adults in middle age is on the decline compared to previous generations. Um, and he's called for public health guidance to focus on helping the population improve their health in midlife so that they can age better, stay economically active and continue to lead fulfilling lives. Um, I think it's perhaps doubtful that any meaningful change will come about anytime soon, given the pressures on the public health system at the moment. Um, but I agree that it's a really important focus. Um, and because I love turning a bad week into a positive, um, it's something that pharmacy teams can really embrace, um, even without specific public health guidance. Um, so when they're thinking about healthy living pharmacy initiatives and ways they can support their local community, especially if the local demographic fits with this um, middle aged profile. Um, so offering extra support and signposting for things like high blood pressure, excessive drinking, mental health problems um, and even asthma um, can really make a difference. So the ailing health of middle-aged Brits, uh, but opportunities also for pharmacy there. Thanks, Helena. So let's go to you, Neil, next. Good week or bad week? Well, it, it, it's, it's been a bad week for uh, Rowlands Castle surgery in Hampshire uh, uh, for, for me. Um, so for our listeners who don't know the backdrop to this, uh, local surgery uh, sent out a poster um, basically telling local residents that uh, if they don't get their flu jab with the surgery, the surgery will run out of uh, vaccine stock and uh, the stock will go to waste and uh, future um, services in, in, that, in that area will be uh, reduced. So scare tactics, I think is the best way of putting it. Um, uh, you know, scaring patients to, to not go to the pharmacy, come to the surgery. I think this is a, a familiar theme. We've, we've, we all, I'm sure uh, listeners are well aware of this uh, kind of um, behaviour in the past from, from some surgeries, some GP practices. Um, Roland's uh, Castle Surgery sent out a poster. This is what they said in, their, in, their, in the poster. We have been offering flu vaccinations to our patients for decades. We have to order them a year in advance. If our patients go elsewhere for their vaccination, our stock will go to waste and it may affect us being able to offer a comprehensive service in future. Um, now, we were, co we were contacted by a local provider uh, in the area who told us um, that the, the, this, uh, this episode has caused great stress to them um, and affected, deeply affected the, um, the uh, flu vaccinations that they offer. Um, many patients have contacted them to cancel their appointments, bookings, um, and of course that has left that particular provider with uh, a situation where they will also be left with um, unused vaccines that could go to waste. Uh, uh, so it's, it's a really unseemly affair. There's plenty of dimensions to this uh, story, one of which is the, the COVID, phase three COVID vaccination flu service, which is starting in September. It seems to have raised the stakes here. But we, as I say, we, we're, 
we're all too aware with um, episodes in the past of GP surgeries with those posters, the flu posters. But this is this seems to have gone up a notch. It's quite frankly diabolical. Um, Ronald's Castle surgery, um, Jen- Janine Leak, who's the practice manager at the surgery, did admit, and we contacted her, uh, that the poster wasn't worded as well as it might have been. They did replace the poster with another one, revised the the wording, but. To be honest, the new poster said pretty much the same thing. It, it was toned down language, uh, slightly less um, abrasive language, uh, but they they still say the same thing. You know, if you if you don't come to us, you know, vaccines will go to waste. Um, you know, and, and that leaves other providers in the area um, twisting in the wind. Miss um, Leak um, actually went a little bit further when we asked her to comment um, on 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 the situation, and she she was rather blunt in her language. I mean, she said that, you know, if, if patients don't book their flu jabs with us, there will be a vaccine shortage, which may affect the number of vaccines we can purchase in future, potentially compromising the comprehensive coverage that we are, uh, that we are proud to offer. So she's not backing down at all. It's, it's basically, you know, as you were with the, uh, the first message, it's a really, 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 um, uh, untied one. Well, untied is not strong enough. It's a, it's a diabolical situation. Um, the provider told us that what's the point of, um, you know, bidding for phase three COVID flu um, status with NHS England, the deadline of which was yesterday. What's the point of bidding for that when the surgery is um, misleading local residents and clearly, you know, giving the impression that they are are already in the situation in the position where they are, they are going to offer that situ- uh, uh, service? And I, I feel great sympathy with the. Um, the provider who contacted us, and I'm sure many of our listeners uh, across the country will um, relate to this story because I, uh, you know, this I, I I'm I'm in no doubt this is this is this is going on right across the country. Um, the good thing about these stories is that you know it, the hope is is that it will encourage more people to come more more providers to come forward with their own stories and 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 you know, not suffer in silence with this because, you know, at the end of the day, um, given the fact that the health and care bill is making its way through parliament and we have the integrated care system uh, structures and the integrated care boards, we know the problems with those uh, in their current um, guise. Um, the whole point is to collaborate and uh, work together uh, uh, as, as, as a national health si- uh, service. This is completely and utterly um, going in the opposite direction. So I, you know, it's been a, uh, an awful week for Roland's Castle surgery and um, or like, as I said, hopefully we'll hear more, more people will get these kind of stories off their chest. Yes, I, I do find these, these annual turf wars about flu jabs between GPs and pharmacies particularly depressing. If anything, it, it all seems to have started earlier this year. Maybe, Neil, like you say, driven by the uncertainty over the, the planned uh, dual jobs for for flu and for COVID. I, I think the the local NHS perhaps should take a much firmer approach with this kind of thing because people just lose sight of the bigger picture here. Um, Arthur, what did what did you make of uh, of that story? Just as an aside, to say that someone from NHS England got in touch with me about this story and they seemed very interested in it. Um, they weren't prepared pre- prepared to comment publicly. But it'd be interesting to see whether they're they're sort of keen to to put any pressure on the surgery because these tactics are really against the um, 
the sort of ethos that that that's, that we're supposed to be fostering in in primary care. It's particularly disappointing, isn't it? I think we've said this before as well, actually, that if if the flu campaign was massively, massively successful and oversubscribed, then you could see a real reason for this. But unless this particular surgery is brilliant at it uh, and, and is hitting 70, 80, 90 percent of, of, of its patient list in the target groups, then you know, and I doubt it because most most surgeries don't. So the fact that there's a pharmacy filling in lots of gaps, we know the gaps that, that pharmacies fill because of access and convenience and all the rest of it. Then there's got to be a, a a better way of working together to improve the lives of the whole community. Um, and yeah, as you say, it's a it's a very early approach to this, and hopefully, if somebody's looking at it from on high. Um, uh, others might be persuaded not to go down the same route. Okay, let's move on then to to you, Arthur. What have you got? Uh, well, it's a bad week for people trying to bring absolutely mental lawsuits. Um, this story came out um, of a decision from an employment tribunal court uh, in Liverpool. This is a case of uh, Dorothy Roach, who worked for a Boots branch in Newton Le Willows in Merseyside. Uh, in October last year, uh, she was told that she was being inv- investigated or that or that the company was investigating allegations that a customer had been subject to racist comments. Um, what it was is a, a customer in the queue overheard uh, someone named Dot. So assumed assumed to be this this Dorothy Roach character um, talk about a, another customer whose English was poor saying um, they're annoying. I'm sick of them. And all and also uh, sort of shocking remark, and this, and this has been picked up internationally. Um, I don't speak Taliban, so very, very sort of, you know, unnecessary, racially motivated motivated comments. And so the company obviously had to investigate. Um, but when when uh, Miss Roach was told was told about the investigation, she quit, and then went on to claim that she'd been constructively dim- dismissed. You know, basically the the fact that the company was investigating this was was a breach of contract. Um, obviously, it it was thrown out. It was um, you know it was pretty ridiculous. I mean. I mean, a part of me sort of just admires the sheer cojones to, to, to bring this case in the first place, but it was, but it was obviously going to be thrown out. Um, the judge, um, Liz Ord, said that while there were some flaws in, in, in some procedural aspects of the investigation, they did not amount to, to a breach of contract, you know, and so, so no constructive dismissal. Um, she also rejected uh, Ms. Roach's suggestion that someone else may have made the, the racist remarks, saying uh, that no complaint was made against anyone else and there was no evidence to suggest that anyone uh, else was responsible. Um, so it's just a really, really awful case i mean obviously um these these sort of instances are are, are few and far between um uh, you know the, the vast majority of you know pharmacy staff in 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 all roles uh go out of their way to be you know you know courteous and respectful no, no matter who the, who the patient is but um i think you know cuz cuz uh race and racism is such a a uh, important conversation uh, these days, um, hopefully, just not, not just at the moment. Hopefully, go go on to be. Um, um, I thought it was. Uh, it, it's it's important to, to to sort of to highlight these cases and 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 root them out just to just to show how how unacceptable it is. Indeed, 
Thanks, Arthur, uh, for that. And some great reporting there, too. So I'll finish up. And I'm going to go for a combined good week, bad week for our wonderful pharmacy-led COVID vaccination hubs who are continuing to do tremendous work. And I think it's really important that we continue to, to publicly acknowledge that because it's not without its challenging moments. Patient behaviours at these clinics can sometimes be pretty unpleasant. And I wrote in the July issue of Pharmacy Magazine about an exchange between a community pharmacist clinical lead at a COVID vaccination clinic who had refused, quite correctly, to administer a second jab to a patient just four weeks after the first. Of course, the interval is eight weeks. and received a mouthful of unpleasant abuse as a result. Then there are the really disturbing reports of, of anti-vaxxers harassing COVID clinic volunteers. And there was a case where uh, so a group of anti-vaxxers were giving some quite elderly volunteers at a COVID clinic some, some abuse uh, and, and trying to disrupt operations. And then, of course, we've all read about that awful case of a pharmacy in Cumbria being daubed with, with anti-vax graffiti. Now, upsetting and disturbing incidents like these are are thankfully rare, but by no means unusual, and they serve as an unfortunate reminder of both the unacceptable abuse pharmacy teams have suffered during the pandemic and the tensions, perhaps exacerbated by COVID, that can exist between healthcare providers and an increasingly fractious public. Meanwhile, pharmacy's incredible vaccination army continues to perform heroically and the vast majority of the public are incredibly grateful. The rest need to examine their consciences. So that's it for another week. Uh, We had a few behind-the-scenes technical issues with this one. Depending on how skillfully producer Sam edits this episode, you may pick up on anything from an unscheduled appearance by Rob's cat to a, a herd of elephants outside the office charging down Regent Street. But my thanks, as always, to Rob, Neil, Helena Helena and Arthur and our podcast sponsor, Aronix, from Dr. Reddy's. The Talking Pharmacy podcast is available on the Pharmacy Magazine website and all your usual download sites. Just search for Talking Pharmacy. Now, before we go, I'd like to signpost you to a couple of things. As listeners will know, this month has finally seen the oral contraceptive pill switches. And there are some excellent training resources supporting Levima on the Pharmacy Magazine website. And Anna Maxwell, Chief Executive of the manufacturer Maxwellia, is the cover interview on the latest edition of P3 Pharmacy. And it's a a really interesting read. But for now, from all of us, thanks very much for listening.